What up, though? What up, though? And welcome to the Retired Hood Rat Podcast. It's your girl, comedian T-Barb, in the building, live on Detroit is Different. Don't forget the Retired Hood Rat Podcast is about retiring from being a hood rat, whatever that should be, meaning living your best life. But relapse is a part of recovery. <laughs> so sometimes you might smack somebody when you weren't supposed to. I'm sorry, Retired Hood Rat. I'm, I'm working on it. He saw the best than me. We got your co-host in the building, my dog, your guy, Kevin Johnson. I like I like how black people use God to, <laughs> but like, I, I slapped him, but you know, he saw the best of me. I know is still working because on me. God, listen, He's still working on me. You slap somebody. Because God will guide your hand back and he will guide your hand forward. Yes, he will. He yes, will he guide will. your hand, okay? Relapse part of recovery. We also today, we are going to be talking reinventing yourself after incarceration. We have our boy, our comedy brother, one of the uh, industry producer, director, Man, podcast so host, much. Mano in the building. Yeah. Y'all right here. Union rep, all kind of stuff. And we are going to be talking about how do you reinvent yourself? Incarceration rate is just so high right now. How do you get out? Stay out and be successful. And Mano has been out for what? 21 years, you said? 21 years. That's a blessing right there. 20, 21, 21 years. years. You know how many more bids somebody did in 21 years? That's five more bids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. If you're looking at my cousins, at least. I mean, you know what? Let me not expose the family secrets I right mean, there. well, you know, I'm third generation. One thing about incarceration, why it's so dear to me, is that I would have been the third generation of incarceration. So my mother and father met in a prison vocational program, a halfway house, they call it. And my grandmother had been in a mental health institution and my other grandmother was also incarcerated. So I was the first generation to break that three, that third generation of incarceration. So Well, good. Um, as long as you don't slap nobody else, you'll be all right. I mean, I'm, every five years I got to slap somebody, <laughs> but I don't, as long as I don't get caught. That's the main you're right, thing. You're right. That's that's sometimes it ain't about what you do. Did you get caught? Yeah, that's what the Latin says. It's only stealing if you get caught. Listen, you know I mean? Joy Rhodes finest. Otherwise, just to come up. You know? Just to come up. <laughs> um, if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. Don't forget every Monday, 9 a.m., tune in to our YouTube channel, Comedian T-Barb. You can see us live. And every Thursday, we are on every platform. We always start the show with the retired hood rat word of the day. Then we do our retired hood rat prayer. And then we're going to go off into the interview and find out how did Mano reinvent himself from incarceration? What are some tips? What are some resources? How can we keep our brothers once they get in there, out of there? And let's just talk about some of the challenges that some of our men deal with when they when they come out. Um, and speaking of, because I feel like that topic, it garners a message of overcoming. Mm. Okay, and that's what I want to talk about today in today's retired hood rap word of the day is overcoming. I think that a lot of times we let the things that happen to us define us. It becomes us. It consumes us to the point where we can't move any further in anything else. It's almost like being paralyzed. Give you an example. Let's say someone does something to you wrong. They steal something for you. I know people that have been dwelling on somebody stealing something from them 10 years ago and you using that as a crutch to why they cannot produce now. Mm. Oh, well, they took this from me. Oh, well, they did that. Who gives a fuck if they took that then? Mm. 
Because guess what? They took it and they riding off into the sunset with your idea that they took and doing better than you and not thinking twice. Meanwhile, you're allowing that to consume you where you can't even move forward. Then people always want people to feel sorry for them. That's not the way the world works. Now, do I think that we all should express our feelings, our emotion, get therapy, all that? Hell yeah, that helped me a lot. Especially coming from the hood with crackhead parents. Let me tell you something. Ain't no crackhead don't give a fuck. Listen, they just got through fighting. You think they give a fuck about you? Scratch yourself, bitch. Get on somewhere, right? But at the end of the day, I, I've learned that I still have to express it, but I can't dwell on it. The atrocities that happened to me in the past, I have to get over them. And I think that that's why a lot of people are in prison or suffering because somebody did something to you two weeks ago. They stepped on your foot and you still are harboring the anger from that moment. But all that does is it consumes you. You some shit, you have to let it go. You have to move on. You have to overcome it. And the strength really, honestly, I know a lot of people think it's so strong to address things, but sometimes the true strength comes in ignoring it. Sometimes the true, the true strength comes in putting your ego down and saying, you know what? My ego and my pride really wants me to react in this way, but my livelihood, my life, my spirit depends on me being able to contain myself and having a level of strength that doesn't allow whatever was designed to break me to break me. And I, I mean that shit from the bottom of my heart. I'm telling you, I was thinking about, I went and I had an opportunity and I remember getting there and I remember being treated so poorly and just the whole time fighting through it, fighting, just saying, oh my God, I'm okay. We just here to get this done. We here to get this footage. Don't worry about how they treat you like you less than. One day they gonna have to come see you. I just had to remind myself. Ooh. And then after, moment ends up being a huge moment for me you know it goes viral all these things happen and the only thing i could think of afterwards what if i would have lost it and not being able to overcome that moment i wouldn't have this outcome because when people see the outcome they don't give a damn what you went through so everybody that's been done every artist that you see every artist that you see they ain't just blow up and was riding around. It's people that have been begging people to come to shows, rapping on the side of the subway, uh, doing monologues, sitting in the background as the background uh, actor for 12 hours, hungry, catching a bus. It is not all this glitz and glam, but the reason they get it is because they were like, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to keep going. I don't care. Like, I had to give myself pep talks literally every night. Like, you good. You worth it. Don't worry. It don't matter how hard it is right now because when they feel you, mm. it's going to be worth it. You're going to be coming. glad that you was begging. You're going to be glad that you kept asking and persisting and posting. So just keep going. Overcome. You can get through it. But make sure, make sure that you are feeding yourself the right things. And that you are taking each moment for what it is, just that moment, not taking it for the future, not taking it for 20 years from now, not taking it as the past and not letting it define you taking it as just being that moment. Okay. And that's our retired hood rap word of the day. Go. Give myself some air horns. For that. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. That was like, I am telling that. you, I like that. that was like, come through. If you only listening to the show for that, that's what it is. You got something. You got, I, your listen, you got just for that. Just for that. 
We got Mayno in the building. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? And we are talking reinventing yourself after incarceration. Of course, we got to do our retired hood rat prayer after that. The prayer is not about anyone, deity, soul, Jehovah, Hishnu, whoever you pray to. It's just about God to me. Um, you can skip this part or you can bow your head. And if you're driving, don't bow your head because uh, I don't need you to crash your car. <laughs> Dear God, we are so thankful today, right now, God. We just ask that you bless somebody's heart and somebody's mind with the understanding that this is just that moment. And to understand that although each moment is important, it does not define us. It's the totality of all of those moments collectively that make who we are, God. We just ask that you allow each moment to be fruitful, each moment to be worthy, each moment to be a gift, a blessing, to understand that we don't have to have these moments so in the moments that we have, we'd be as thankful as possible in them because we know when we are thankful and we have gratitude, blessings manifest that way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. That's another one. Can I get an applause on that? Shout out to my homeboy Joe say his new getting that shout out. Listen, auntie got a little culture. Auntie know about his new. And shout out to Jizzle got jokes. Uh, say we love you. Oh, thank uh, you. Jason Jameson and Stan Banks both saying what's up to What's y'all? up? Oh, yeah, Stan man. Bank. That's my Aries partner. You got to catch Stan oh, yeah. Bank at the roast. Come to the birthday roast. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. Kev. Oh, yeah, it's Stan. Jason Jameson will actually be at my show Mother's Day. So if you want to catch where my shows will be, tbarbisfunny.com. Don't forget every first Wednesday of the month, we have the Detroit House Comedy. So my official you want to celebrate my birthday with me April 5th at my birthday roast, Detroit House of Comedy. And then don't forget Mother's Day, Clean Comedy Explosion. I am headlining clean. So for everybody who like T-Barb don't do clean comedy. Yes, T-Barb does all comedy. You heard me, okay? Boop, 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 boop. Oh, my God. What? I think I just got an announcement. Okay, we'll go back to okay. that. Oh, so we oh, 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 exclusive. I mean, we got the Retired wait, Hood Rap Podcast. We'll wait. Retired Hood Rap Podcast here on Detroit is different. We are talking reinventing yourself after incarceration. And we have our expert here, Mano. What up, though, Mano? What's going on, T-Bar? Yeah, Mr. Kevin God. Johnson, what's happening, brother? through for me, man. Oh, that's what's up. That's what's up. So, Mayno, um, can you give us a little bit of your story? Um, tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Mayno. Uh, my real name is Manson McCann. I don't shy away from that, uh, you know, because okay. I, I'm going to have to stamp it on something. You know? Yes, sir. Are you uh, signing names on yeah, stuff, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed of it. And uh, the reason why, uh, you know, I am the way that I am, I call myself the one-man gang. Uh, because, you know, I, I learned how to not rely on, you know, the unreliable. And uh, with my luck in my life, I have uh, ran across a lot of the unreliable. So, therefore, I've been able to uh, maintain and uh, stay persistent because I know how to stay to myself, uh, be the one-man gang that I am. Uh, but I am also, uh, uh, you know, friendly enough uh, to still be sociable. Okay. Yes, friendly enough. I like that. Okay, that, that was that was a Detroit yeah. answer. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know yeah. everybody else coming with that was a that was a Detroit answer. So Mayno, um growing up, you grew up in the city of Detroit. Oh, Chicago. Chicago. Oh, and we going to Chicago Riddles. Got to do that little Riddles plug. Yeah. So, oh, born and raised in Chicago? Yeah, I'm south side. South side. South side. Yeah. My auntie stay on Morgan. <laughs> 
Oh, you did? I stayed on 59. Well, my aunt stays on one. Well, I stayed all over the South Side. He said, I smashed your aunt. I'm sorry. How long, um, when did you move to Detroit and were you incarcerated in Detroit or in Chicago? Uh, a little bit of both. I moved, I've moved. i been in Detroit for, what, this will be my 33rd year come July 12th. Uh, I was 16 when I got here. Uh, my incarcerations and stuff going uh, to jail uh, started very early. I mean, as early as like nine years old. Uh, you know, wow. just, yeah, just messing around. They, you know, and you know, playing with fire and you know, partially burning up one of the neighbors' uh, garages. You know, they took us down to the police station, and our parents had to come get us. That was embarrassing. Uh, and then you know it's it kicked off from there, and then a little bit after that we climbed in the school because uh, the window was open in the summertime. We was running around. They took us down to the police station for that, and then that kind of put it in my head like we can always go home and get out. You know that's what grandma was doing. But when I got older mm. and in the late '80s, oh my God, you know it was different. You know when the gang bangers was out, people started running around here uh, selling drugs and carrying guns. It was like. I was going to the juvenile detention centers uh, at 13, 14, wow. 15 years old. So, yeah, uh, being incarcerated there and here. Um, my incarceration here uh, began when I was 17 years old uh in 1991 so just just the so it seems like it seems like basically the port the portrait that's being painted is that it was kind of almost a cycle yeah. started at nine playing around with fire went to jail a couple times and then at 16 you're still so so let me ask you this just to backtrack when when you're nine and you're at the police station and they call your parents what is what is your mom's response well, my mother didn't come get me. My grandmother came and got okay. me. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was a typical response. You know, it was the, the oops upside your head, you know. Yeah, it was the, yeah, it was the, it was the, you know, it was the ride, you know. So, uh, and, and that was the discipline. The the rest of the stuff came after we uh, got with our uh, mom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that was, so it was that typical thing. What would you say even at that early age led to you doing some of those things? Do you think it was a lack of supervision or peer pressure? Uh, a little bit of both uh, because lack of supervision uh, leads to peer pressure. Uh, you know, if you're, oh, if you're yeah. not, if you're not supervising your children, you, you open them up to, uh, somebody else supervising them. Uh, so, you know, it was a little bit of both, uh, you know, me being able to rip and run the streets and deal with who I wanted to deal with at that age. Uh, and, and, and I was easily influenced. Uh, by yeah, yeah, and did yeah, you yeah, have so, a father? Yeah. Was your father in the home? Uh, no, my father was passed away. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I never knew him. Okay. So at that point you were saying you're 16, you come to Detroit and that's when the, the, not just the slap on the wrist, but the real incarceration. Yeah, yeah, that's when prison, yeah. Yeah, okay. that's when prison came in and not the juvenile detention centers that was in Illinois. See, Michigan didn't play with you. Uh, you, know, <laughs> well, you no, they don't play with you. you know, the minute you turn anybody. 17 years old, they want to charge you as an adult. So yeah. you're saying at that time, Chicago didn't have charges as an adult, but when you came to Michigan, you charged as an adult at well, 16, depending 17. on the crime, like I had uh, three counts of armed robbery. So, oh, wow. Yeah. At 16? Yeah, at 17. Okay. To yeah, stick them up, I kid. Had, yeah, I hadn't even been, been 17, but one month. I, I turned 17 in May, and in June, I was on my way to prison. Was this a, <laughs> so let me, was this a, a gang, was this gang related? This was just no, you this, wanting to stick it's up? just me, solo. And where did you get the gun from? Uh, well, it, it was not, uh, it, it wasn't 
there, it was no gun involved. Okay. There was no gun found or anything like yeah, that. Uh, but yeah. the, the way that the statues were set up, uh, uh, that if I threatened to do harm to you and as though I, I had a person, yeah. they, wow. they didn't have to see one. Yeah, same thing considered. like if you uh, if you do like this right, in a bank pull, with a right. gun and a gun, like put it in your pocket like you got one, it still counts. Yeah. It still wow, counts. really? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Because of the appearance of it. So uh, that's why I was uh, hemmed up. And um, I didn't do a, I did, I did what, three years off of that because I took a so, big deal. So hold on. So hold on. Let's let me backtrack yeah. just to, to get a, a, a portrait of this. So at 16, 17, you strong arm robbed someone. Uh, armed robbed. That's uh, yeah, strong yeah. Arm. I thought yeah, you yeah. said that you didn't have a gun. No, no, no. no. I was charged with armed yeah. robbery. That's the difference. I actually was fighting with somebody and some of their stuff came up missing. And then that's what, that's what I'm saying. So it wasn't, so you were charged with something that, that, that just, right, right. That, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, right. So you were charged pretty much um, with armed robbery. And, and, and don't get me wrong, as far as legal standards, I may not be saying this correctly. So please, because when I'm thinking strong arm, I'm thinking a, a purse snatching. Yeah. Which is totally different yeah. to me from someone pulling out a gun. So you're being charged like you pulled out a gun yes. over a tussle yes. because you're a young black man without yes. a lawyer. Yes. Okay, oh, let's man. get to that. that yeah, without a lawyer, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right on. Court appointments. Okay, so go ahead. So I just because I just want to I want people to understand this journey. Because I think a lot of times people just think incarceration is just oh 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 no. A lot of people are stuck in this rut just based on lack of resources or, or discrimination. So, yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm going to give you a quicker, uh, a, a different perspective on that as well, which is the same as what you just said with the lack of resources. See, when I came here, and I'm going to make this quick, armed robbery, I mean, one armed robbery, you, uh, you can be, you can get life with. And I had three. So I was wow. facing three counts of life, basically, at a 17-year-old a young man from Chicago who did not have a lawyer. My people didn't, because I was going to jail when I was in Chicago, they figured, oh, well, here he go. They didn't come, you know, bail me out or nothing like that. So I was on my own. So I was forced out of, you know, fear of doing the rest of my life. I had to make a quick decision. So I took a plea deal in order to get those two off of me. And then by me being a young man, they they gave me, they sentenced me a three to 10. And I did that, you know, and got out. And then that's how. The, the very first time started, but it was a cycle though. So we can continue. I just wanted to let you. So know. the first time you're in, you're incarcerated, you do how long? I do three years. Three years. And then you say you get out and what happens after that first cycle of incarceration? All right. When I got out, this is when, um, uh, and, um, I started working and I started taking my life seriously because I knew that the way that my, my family treated me before I went in there, I said, if I ever get myself in trouble again, I don't want that to happen. So I worked hard. I worked at White Castle and all that. It got my own little house. Um, I did whatever it is that I, I needed to do. But then I got laid off from this one good job I had. And uh, I was working at a little steel plant. And I was making a couple of dollars. And we got laid off. And next thing I know, uh the money ran short, the, the unemployment uh, ran yep. out. And because I had already had a record, it was hard for me to, you know, kind of get out here and work again. So eventually those mentalities came back to me. You know, mm -hmm. The cycle continues. And then I'm back doing back doing the the, 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 the dirty stuff again. Yeah, and the game calls back to people, man. I mean, it comes easy far back. Yeah, that's because I didn't have a, a, a great plan at the time. And then I yeah, ended I up going back again uh and, and and 
making the recidivism rate go up. Even how how many times did you would you say that you went back and forth to uh, prison? I can, I can say I can't. Would you say? It's uh, I mean, I, three, <laughs> three times. Yes. So you incarcerated three times. Yes, okay. uh, I'm a C prefix uh, in the uh, state of Michigan. Uh, them all three new cases. Uh, you know, some people go back, they be PV, and they'll still be on their A prefix. They just keep coming back. But well, well, listen uh, for us who don't know what is A prefix. Oh, so he threw a bunch of acronyms. No, no, uh, the A prefix is just the. The, the, the prefix because your number doesn't change oh. only the letter change so my number is c two one eight two forty one. Oh, for you how know? many times you went in yeah, yeah oh also oh, somebody z they've been in that uh, boy 26 uh, times uh, yeah, he's gonna let you get the z <laughs> no, i'm you. just yeah. saying you say c i'm just yeah. saying so so now we know so ladies and fellas for right. that matter when you meet somebody who's been incarcerated and they line say this their first time but they letter is e we learned that this day fifth bid in the joint. Shout out to my homie Michael Ray here on on the live here. He said he said he he did twelve years and he got out. And I just asked him, you know, what was his biggest thing that kept him out? And he said the same thing you were saying. Like you just have to have that support system right behind you. So when you got out the last time, did they have a prison vocational program like a halfway house, or were you just left to do your own thing? Uh, well, they they do uh, have a halfway house situation. Uh, I don't know what it is now, uh, but when I came home the last time, I paroled right out of the prison uh, uh, in Macomb. Uh, so, uh, but I did uh, experience the halfway house uh, in between those years. I did a total of seven years uh, from 91 to 2002. So it was kind of hard for me to uh, you know, like kind of stay out. And I, I even walked away from a halfway house, and they called that escape. And, uh, yeah, escape. They, they really did. So if you escape. walk away because they're there, it's kind of like a voluntary thing. So they're like, you escaped if you just walked yeah, away. Yeah, they don't even give you. They don't even write it up as a walkway. They, they treat it as an escape, like you jumped over the wall. Okay, wow. Yeah, even though you just walked out the door. You know what I'm saying? So the, I had to deal with that for a while. So And when when they, when they came up at the time, it was like, if you escaped, have a long you was on the skate, they was gonna tack that on to your your uh your bit. And I was like, I was only gone for fifty five days, and I was like, well, I'm so glad they caught me with them fifty five days. <laughs> right. Because if I was on the run for fifteen years, and then they must have run and caught me, I'd have had to do it. Oh for man, that was the man. Law oh, the yeah. law was you did have yeah, a long you was on the run. It was called dead time. Yeah. So yeah, whatever time. Oh, so somebody could leave to just uh get hit right quick and just they just be an extra day. No. Nah. No, nah. you're going back got, to you're yeah, going to get gonna charged add, with escape. <laughs> you're going to get charged at that, that time yeah. on there. Yeah, you, and you're going back to jail quick. So Damn. no, it ain't that easy. You're going to get a quick hit. Would you <laughs> say? Do you feel like? Um, and Kev may have a few questions about this too, especially as a black man. Do you feel like the system is like purposefully set up to have you continuously come back? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and the yeah. reason why I can say that uh, is because. Um, let's go back to the early nineties when I first went, uh, it was, it was mandatory, uh, that you had to go to school in, in there. And now, you know, well, I don't know what it's like in the last 20 years, but when I was, when I left there in the late nineties, in the early two thousands, you didn't really have to, you know, come in and be a part. They don't give you any 
uh, anger management classes. I was, I was. So you saw a difference from your first and your first time in mm-hmm. prison. To, you saw the resources be. Can you really pinpoint on that? Like, so your first time you went to prison. Can you tell me the resources you have versus that the next time or the last time? Like, uh, do they want me to get more or like they take? Because no, what he's saying is he had to go to school. So I just want a comparison so people can understand yeah. kind of that difference. Yeah, if you if you came in and you didn't have a GED, uh, you know, and you didn't have no high school diploma or whatever, it was almost mandatory uh, when you come in and um, you're being evaluated that you have to take some sort of uh, school. Uh, and um, even when uh, you have a, a violent cases such as mine is, that's considered a violent crime, armed robbery, of course. You know, they tell you in, in, uh, um, in your interviews uh, on your way in there that you have to take uh, anger management classes yeah. and all of this stuff is in your file, but they barely even have people to do that. You know, now they'll bring somebody in from the church. Do you feel like they? Do you feel like they care? You. Like when they? Do you feel like when they're coming in, they're actually trying to rehabilitate somebody, or do you feel like they just feel time? People, they bring people in off the streets, so I, I have to assume that they care. Uh, because okay. because they are bringing people in. Like I, rem- I, I uh, on the last bit that I did, uh, they brought um, RSAT in there. And uh, they used to be right there on um, uh, West Grand Boulevard. Uh, and uh, they used to come all the way to Macomb. And, and those people cared because, you know, they was giving people certificates and stuff for completions. And they had right. uh, conflict resolution uh, classes and things like that. But it was very, uh, you know, very f- small and far in between. But every prison wasn't built up like that. Okay. Um. So, so the lack of resources... Do you feel like prisoners or incarcerated persons having a skill to get out kept them from coming back? And that's why that was taken out. What What do you think as a person who was there, the reasoning would be for taking a an educational program out of a prison? I mean, you know, you don't want the educated dummy. Now, I mean, you don't want nobody. You don't want nobody to know that they can do something better than what they've been doing. Especially right. with what they're doing is putting money in your pockets. You want to keep them blind. You want to keep them dumb. And when they stopped taking, giving us college courses and stuff like that, I was it was getting cut out long before I even got there. But some states still did it. But the state of Michigan, you couldn't take college courses anymore. You know now because you're getting a little smarter now. You can yeah. you can find work now. You can't yeah. be chances are you ain't coming back. Right, you yeah, ain't coming they- back. You can't contribute to what they're trying to do. So let's let's try to alleviate that. And if they're not smart when they come in here, we we not gonna smarten them up. Because there are a lot of brothers that have skill uh, that do end up being incarcerated. And uh, it, it, for some strange reason, they just don't click the light on the not go in themselves. Kev, have you ever um, been uh, locked up or visited a prison? I mean, visited a prison, yeah. But uh, my, my, mom, my mom was a probation officer. So, uh, I mean, I grew up with the cupcake lifestyle like she kept, so your she mom was a probation officer mm-hmm. so yeah. did so how did that play in your life because I, law enforcement is a is a big part of black life i think it's a big yeah. part of every, all life but it's really a big part of black life and in and, and that's in different facets whether that's you're from a law enforcement family or we're afraid of law enforcement right. or we've been given this stigma so to be a black man with a mom that's a probation yeah. officer yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's hear your perspective yeah, yeah. i got a perspective on that as well too yeah, okay. my, that's a contributing factor. It's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a lot of my mom. Like, I've, I've, I've had a, my, my family has had a lot of tragedy in there, and um, 
Like um, even before, I mean, I've had a cousin be, who's who was shot by, I mean, killed by off-duty police officer. Wow. Yeah, because he was he was going to pick up his cousin. So I mean, like I and I, so like when I hear like stuff like George Floyd stuff like that, it's like I've I've been through that stuff before. I mean, it's almost it's sad that it's kind of like I'm anesthetized to it. Like I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm numb to it right now, but. My mom was always uh, trying to tell me like something about the police. Like, look here, you gonna your job is to get home. That's your job is to get home. She's like, gonna, they're gonna try to test you. You're a big guy. She me she she. And this is as a probation officer, I, and that and that to me speaks volumes for somebody who's working in that field, who actually is the person who supervises the person who who had the illegality to be. Telling their own son. Yeah, because she has I me. Mean, she's seen so many stories. I mean, I mean, when you have so many cases, I mean, there's certain things that kind of go in line with each other. Knees, you start to hear a pattern between how these people are being arrested or how these people are being frisked down. Somehow, not 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 every black person is going to be angry and resisting arrest. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous for for these people. Most people have that on their record. That they were resisting. Well, no, we're, I'm not resisting. Why are you arresting me? You know what I'm saying? So my mom, like I said, she uh, she tried to keep me, me just give me stuff like uh, whenever you, whenever you're being pulled over, just have your license and stuff like that ready. Just have it ready, so that way you don't know you, you'll know. All right, then they'll know you're not on some bullshit. You're not trying to hide nothing. It's like just have it already there for them. Stuff like that. She just taught me just to, and and I know, and it's like I said, it's 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 an advantage for me because I know most people didn't have that. I know most people uh, I mean, don't have a probation officer in their corner. But that's still, it's just indicative to say that we know that something is broken, that people that work in that field. Make my those. sister's on my life. It's like, your mama was a saint. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, and my little thing about the probation, the parole officers, that it's, it's with me because I've, I've seen them on both levels. That You have those who sounds like his mom who really care about the inmate that they dealing with you know because they see the potential in them they become counselors to them you know not just someone who's supervising them you know and uh then you have those uh who contribute back to the recidivism rate because they really don't care they just there to get the check yeah. uh you know they don't want to work with you if uh you can't keep one job, you know what I'm saying? If, if they'd be like, would you? They'd be they'd be ready to violate you for anything that you do and send you back. So you do have those sticklers uh, that that don't want to work with you. They just getting the paycheck. And then you also have the sweethearts sometimes, uh, like he mentioned, like with his mom, that you do see who's willing to work with some of the uh, inmates that they deal with uh, once they uh, come from incarceration. Mm, that's a that's an I mean an interesting and I used to work for the state of Michigan and Children's Protective Services, Adult Protective Services. My best friend is a probation officer. I have a criminal justice um degree, so I definitely understand that. But I just I've always wondered why, and and I watched the documentary S uh the S word. It's about socialism. I've always wondered why. Well, I don't want to say wonder why because it took me a while try to understand why people are so resistant to understanding that your taxpayer dollars really aren't what's keeping these people going. They're making money as well. So, Mano, did yeah. you work when you were in prison? Were you assigned a job and were you paid if you did? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I was state-raised. Uh, you know, that's 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 when you when you were in prison by yourself. You know, wasn't nobody sending me no money. 
You know, I wasn't, uh, mm. I wasn't, no, I'm serious. Uh, you know, I wasn't making no phone calls, you know what I'm saying? Uh, like it would come and go in the first part of my bit, but no, it wasn't nothing serious. So yes, I, uh, I was a porter. I, uh, worked in the kitchen. I did ground maintenance. And, uh, when you're a porter, you're assigned to clean up the unit and, you know, the floors, the bathrooms, stuff like that. And I made a whopping $16 a month. Wow. Yeah, so that. how much do they pay you an hour? Sixteen, sixteen dollars a month. You break that four down. Dollars, that? Four dollars a no, week. So even at a forty hour. So and, and most people don't understand this, right? Man. You doing all that work that normally they so they're getting all this free labor, yeah. and and they say our taxpayer dollars pay. Really, the prison should be paying. Yeah. The government uh, or they, that's they so many more. And, and I thought I thought I was the kid, man. I thought I was the man when I got in the kitchen. That was a whole forty-two bucks a oh, month. Now. That, was, that, that was a hell of a come up. If you and and you had up. control over making something better for yourself <laughs> and all that. Yeah, I did eat what I wanted to eat. You know what I'm saying? So it was it was pretty cool. And then you know, as far as you know, making you know a state raise, like I said, you know, when you come from, I'll use the state soap. You know, I was that's that's what I was getting state haircuts. Because the thing is, and and they make you buy all of those things, right? I mean, the state stuff. No, you 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 get a big old yellow bar of soap, and you only popping, you know. But as far as uh, your zoom zooms, your wham whams, your personal soap, your personal lotions, you want to buy, you know, uh, yeah, you got to pay for all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot. So you you did your bid, you get out. What? How, why do you so you've been out 21 years? Give it up for that one more time. What changed from that last time that, uh, that made you kind of click to you to be like, you know what, I'm not I'm not going back. I'm this tired of this shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was that? What was that I, moment? I just told you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. Here it is. I can't seem to stay out this joint, man. And I'm 28 years old, almost 30. You know what I'm saying? I've been coming back and forth since I was 17. I'm saying I'm looking at some of these same people that I done been up north with. They back and everybody looking at me like, what's up, cuz? Like, I still, because we did a bit 10 years ago. You're like, come on, man. I said, I'm tired of living my life like this. I said, I got a plan. I had a plan. It was working. I couldn't stay out. You know what I'm saying? Because of the lack of the resources. But when I got out this last time, I said, you know what? I don't care what it is. I'm going to stay out. I said, I don't care. As soon as I got out, I went to uh, back to one of my old jobs uh, in Dearborn, uh, the, the, the steel plant. And uh, they, they hired me back through the temporary bases. And uh, I rode a bicycle uh, all the way from uh, Buchanan and 28th all the way to uh, Wyoming. Wow. Over there by the Ford and Wyoming Theater. You know, some plants back there. I, I rode a bike. Uh, every day uh, back and forth to work. I caught the bus in the rain sometimes uh, to get there. Uh, And eventually I bought me a car within three months of me being out. Um, That was a good move for me because now I I saw that I can actually do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once I did that, um, I started to uh, grow a little bit more and uh, I ended up, uh, I got saved. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I got no church. Yeah, yeah, I got I gotta get God his because I was just trying to see what what we had, what, what selection we had. I'm sorry, I thought we might have had some just a little more gospel. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but but yeah. hand claps for Jesus. Hand claps for Jesus. We can do that. Yeah. So, uh, but once I kind of, once I did that, um, 
I started moving into a different part of my life because there were things like what is stopping me from moving forward. And one of the things that was stopping me was backed up in me was uh, hatred uh, towards mm-hmm. my mother. So I had to learn how to forgive. Listen, say that part again. I said I had to learn how to forgive. No, no, but backtrack. Oh, I had hatred towards my mother. I think a lot of people, uh, men and women alike, have a lot of hatred for their parents that that lead to other issues other narcissism other um anger issues so yes so could you elaborate a little bit more on that like how did you even get to that oh well you know because when when we first started our conversation i told you that you know my grandmother was uh Mm -hmm. we were there with our grandmother uh until i was like seven eight years old and she passed away uh and uh, i actually witnessed that and um, we moved in with our mama full time and uh, she hadn't uh, had anything prepared for us, you know. Right. And so she struggled a lot uh, and uh, with drugs and alcohol. Uh, I've never seen my mother go to work. Uh, I We never owned a car. Uh, you know, we were poor, poor, you know, and mm-hmm. like my mother would cut uh, the toes out of our shoes at times when they were growing, you know, in the summertime mm-hmm. and making kind of like sandals and things like that. And that's real talk. And, uh, and my mother would she was more focused on the drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. than her two sons. And, uh, you know, our house was the, the small apartment. Our house was the smokehouse. My mama used to have six, seven people in our kitchen, just a room away getting high. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all of that. And then when my brother got shot uh, in 1989, uh, she neglected, he got shot in the head in 1989. He died in 1992, but she neglected to go see him uh, and oh, wow. stuff like that. She wouldn't, it was, a, it was a, a, a group of people, a group that came and got me and my mama one time and took us to go see my brother. And that's the only time I really, I saw him when he was in the hospital for the first time because I was young, I couldn't go uh mm-hmm. unless i was 17 at the time I wasn't 17 yet i couldn't go by myself so i would have to go by my with my mama and she wasn't going and so um i couldn't see him like that so i would have to wait and then eventually she gave up on me and sent me here and i was all she had left at the time you know i got stabbed and all that i was running around doing a little gang banging and stuff and when she sat sent me here she left me you know, she abandoned me from that point. I didn't hear from her for a mm. long time. You know what I'm saying? She sent me $80 yeah. one time and didn't send me nothing else. And I didn't hear from mm. my mama for a long time, you know, and I hated her for that. Mm. And I, I, and because she was not in my face, you know, I could hate her even as hard as I wanted to. Yeah, you, know? you didn't Did have you ever, to directly. Yeah. So, Did you ever seek counsel for that? Or is it like so just something that you just, man, you just started to break down yourself and... Well, what what happened is I had to start going through things myself. Uh, I had to, you know, with this going to prison stuff, like why am I constantly going to jail? Like why am I constantly doing this? Well, I struggled with, you know, smoking weed and and drinking and stuff like that, getting drunk as a young man, you know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, you get to mischief like that too. And I'm like, that's part of the reason why, you know, my mama was all jacked up like that. You know, her head was all cloudy and you know full of that stuff all the time like 24 hours a day and i had to come to a conclusion uh with the help of my church you know of course uh it was some guidance in there and uh some counseling and uh, i literally uh i forgave my mother and, and um uh, in her face i told her that i forgive her and uh she understood and uh you know right now me and my mom is cool 
You know, mm. she, that's uh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, she, that's beautiful. Uh, now that's a, but that's a lot to overcome, and and what I feel like that brought me to was root, because a lot of times we like to treat what we think is what we see on the surface, but that's always going to continue to have an issue if you don't get to what the root of the problem is. When you were incarcerated, did you feel like you had a lot of guys you were locked up with that had some of those same root mama daddy issues? I mean, damn near everybody in there, but I, I didn't. Uh, to be to be one hundred with you, uh, I um I didn't get that close to people. I'm I'm like I am now. I was still, you know, I'm the same. Look, I'll tell you what. The the same way people greet me, you know how you greeted me when I just came mm-hmm. in. They greet me that way when I walk on a unit. They they greet me that way when I walk on a rock. You know what I'm saying? They greet me that way when I walk in the church. Like, so I'm still the same person no matter what. You know, I didn't cause no mm. problems. I didn't let no problems happen to me. Right. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I went in there all by myself. You know, I couldn't, I, <clears throat> I had to. I was the only one in there from Chicago that I knew. <laughs> Everybody right, else was right. from Detroit. So, no, I, I, I didn't have, I didn't get that close to uh, individuals to be, uh, I, we talked. But uh, not that, not at that level. Yeah, no, I tried that one time when I was seventeen. When I when I first went to Coldwater, and uh, I I thought you know opening up a little bit uh, uh would help. And uh, this dude sat there and listened to me for three hours. And at the end of that, I thought he was gonna tell me something good. You know what he told me? What? <laughs> he said, they called me Big Young. He said, Big Young, you must be mistaking me for somebody who cares. Wow, that's how the whole gangster. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> he sat there and listened to me. I don't give a fuck. No. <laughs> he was talking. You were talking to me this at all. <laughs> Man, he was looking like he was paying attention. He was just. He didn't break. He just. He ain't break nothing. He just kept looking at me like this, and I thought he was gonna say something. <laughs> he told him about he your must dog. Must be mistaking me for somebody <laughs> who cares. If I had three wishes, yeah. So just... that 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 one instant taught me right then and there. It is, you know, I don't. I don't care either. You know, you're going to be here just like I'm here. But when I get out, I got a plan. And that's where uh, it became a little bit better for me because I knew what I had in me. I I was gifted. I was talented. I was writing while I was in there. Uh, I've been rapping since I was 17. Uh, Cold rapper too. I, yeah, yeah I, 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 I give. I mean, I don't. I'm not, I consider myself, you know, uh, you know, uh, a writer. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a rapper I, off the top. You know, me and T Bar have been, been on the road. We'll have freestyle sessions, stuff like that. But like, you a cold rapper, bro. I mean, I see how you well, I write. I, I write too. You know, I think to me, and this is just my personal opinion. I think uh, freestyle uh, is a waste of uh, uh, talent. And sometimes, you know, you got to be very. Uh, good to do that yeah. and uh i'm very good at an ink pen so i can make it happen on the table so i'm not gonna you know you know diminish what other people's talents are i just choose to use ink pen and paper so and it sounds just as good as everybody else's so that's just it but uh i had a plan and once i got out and um and i forgave my mother the first thing i did uh it was a it was a blessing i got uh, enrolled in the Specs Howard School of Broadcasting. Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Specs Howard. Yeah, this uh-huh. yeah, is kind of where our uh, paths are to cross. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? In the comedy, but our, yeah. Our TV 1608. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when I got there, I, I started dealing with a bunch of other different people. 
And I, I was one of the elders in the class. There was some young people in there. And being there with them kind of students versus being in prison with them kind of people mm. is totally different because now I get to see where people's dreams are. I get mm. to see what they're headed towards. I'm not right. the only one who thinks this way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm around. These are what I will be considering my peers. Like-minded so, people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I was, I was happy to be around them. You know, I, I thrived in radio and in TV and stuff like that. So... When 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 I when I went in, I said, "Okay, I'm a, I'm gonna do this." I graduated. I got a couple of awards, you know. I I got the yeah, I got the above and beyond award. Well, you know, I was always helping other uh, uh, students out. You know, I got the most informative news anchor uh, because I was right. doing pretty good. Okay, uh, I even won a, a MABA, uh, uh, a Michigan Broadcast Association award. Right. Yeah. For <laughs> I mean, he, like he's passionate about it, man. I mean, I've uh, I've done a uh, that's right. We talked about it before. Yeah, because he, he actually has a, a podcast as well, yeah. and you also built your own movie set. Tell us a little bit about that because you you have a uh, you you put out your own independent project. Yes. Uh, well, uh, my my company is called Mano G Productions. Uh, first of all, uh, the set that uh, you're referring to is uh, in my movie called Filios. Uh, which is on a whole lot of these streaming networks. Oh, we'll go ahead. That later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I needed a prison, and who else knows prisons but me? Man. So I eyeballed it, and uh, I said, "Okay, well, this is what I need. How tall it's going to be? How wide it's going to be?" Of course, I took my measurements. Uh, I just went and bought the wood and um, put my mind to work, and uh, went and bought the tools that it took. You know, I had never really built anything before you know not not like that you know uh but, just had some gumption though man. Yeah, like, yeah but you know sometimes you never know what you can do until you have to do it mm -hmm. and did and, you go to youtube university like you just look up look up i mean there were certain things that i had to you know look up and all of that good stuff but pretty much i knew what i was going for so i wasn't all over the place trying right. to search and find out uh what it is and what it was so that's where that came into. It just took a little bit of ingenuity and some uh, some grit. And uh, it took me a minute. I was down there falling asleep with the drill in my hand. Uh, <laughs> but eventually I got it together. And, uh, and I mean, it's probably one of the better things I've done uh, with my hands in a long time. Okay. Let me ask you this. What are some tips for someone who feels like they're going through some issues of incarceration or someone who has a family member who they feel like, what can I do to get them out? From a person yes. who's been through it. Well, for the person that's in there uh, and you want to know what you can do, um, they, uh, well, for the, for the ones that's in there, you want to know what you can do for them. Uh, you you know, support them, uh, not just financially. You know, you don't just send them money, you know, because you don't know what they're doing with their money on the inside of there. You know what I'm saying? People getting $500 a week in there. What you need $500 a week for in the joint? In prison? You know? Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm telling you. Oh, man. In there, man. Oh, you see it all the time. But anyway. All the honey bucks. cakes for things. Yeah, but like support them, you know, uh, mentally, you know, and spiritually and don't let them become institutionalized because that's that's what a lot of people are struggling from when they get out. So in order to prevent them from doing that, stay into their lives, you know, and giving them, you know, positive things that they need in their lives and visit them every now and then, you know, and, and make sure that you're leaving them with tidbits to grow and try to set something up for them when they get out. While you're out and you're just coming home, 
we have a tendency to suffer from inst being institutionalized depending on how much time we've done. So sometimes our reactions are uh, outlandish sometimes. We be too strict with people. We be too hard on folks. You know, we speak with authority because everything is based on the principle. So I think uh, once you get out, I think you, we ought to get, um, we, need, we need counseling. Like we, we need to be debriefed. You know, yeah. it's like it's almost like when when the uh, soldiers come back from from war. You know, they don't just take them out the plane. And it's put a them different system. Right yeah, their, I, I've always thought that. They, yeah, they don't take them right off the plane and give them right to their mom and daddy. No, they yeah. they talk to them for a while before their mom and daddy see them. Mm -hmm. You know, they want to make sure you are right. Some people don't be. You know what I'm saying? So that's you know that's what happens with some of these people that get out. They have no system. Nobody has set anything up for them. And then a lot of times we have to do things on our own. Like I did. And that's it's hard, but the perseverance is what you really need. And I like I, I I'm telling you, riding that bike to work, standing out there in that rain, catching them buses, and this is before you can put a bike on the bus, you know what I'm saying? Like doing all of that humbled me. Yeah. You know, so when when I got my car, I made sure that I shot the right moves, I went to the right places. I had to get rid of some real friends mm. because I they meant me no good. Like, why are we mm. friends? Like, why are we really friends? Because we ripping around the streets. Yeah, together you gotta change the circle, man. Right, like, you gotta you gotta have a, a people around, like you said, people around you who keep you motivated and going going the right way, man. You, you can't if you if you trying to get off an addiction, you cannot hang out with a bunch of addicts. Right, and that's the exact same thing that you was mentioning earlier about like-minded people. You know, there's a lot of people who deal with people because they have something in common with them. And I don't want to keep dealing with people who I got things in common with. For example, me and Kev can go be hooping, playing basketball. We mm -hmm. both good at it. You know, we every time me and you, they, it's down to the last shot. Right, Switch. right. Good game. Go home. The difference is Kev may go home and pray with his family and eat him a home-cooked meal and get ready and go to work in the morning. I may go hit the block, slap my girl up, you know what I'm saying, and neglect right, my kids. Right. You see what I'm saying? See, but we're not like-minded. But we had that that one thing in common. Yeah, yeah, I think that, and you pinpointed on this, and the the point that I I definitely want to people to stick out is that we try to make one thing everything, meaning that that's like you may meet a guy or girl, and they may have this great quality. Everything else about them may stink, but they right. cook the hell out of macaroni and cheese, and macaroni is your favorite. You can't let that define the whole relationship. Same thing with. You know what I mean? Because that's how people get caught up. Like you say, hey, we rob the best. And I think that's my friend. But is they are they feeding your soul right. or are they feeding your need to rob somebody else? Right, right. And uh, we used to have this saying, like, two, see, the, 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 uh, the state don't want two uh, uh, ex-cons hanging around each other. I said, I wouldn't mind hanging around an ex-con. I said, because I know one of us ain't going to want to go to jail. For real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's me. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, I'm I'm one of the ones right now. I do everything that I possibly can to avoid police. Uh, I haven't had in these last 21 years. I haven't been arrested. Haven't had any handcuffs on me. I haven't had nothing more than a traffic ticket. I I, I feel good when I can walk into a police station and say my car has been stolen. Can y'all help me without right. them asking me questions? Right. You know oh yeah, instead of feeling like they're gonna get at you for something, man. Yeah, you know. So I, it feels good to be able to do that, uh, and you know to 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 continue on to what another person can do to continue to keep being successful and turning their life around uh you you have to stay true to yourself mm -hmm. 
you can make a lot of other people happy. Right. Uh, I even got married in this, in these 21 years and uh, I was with them for eight years, but we don't, we, it, it didn't fit right, you know, because we was letting one thing define what the relationship was and what the marriage was when I had all this other stuff going on and she had all this other stuff going on and we weren't like-minded, you know what I'm saying? Right. We, we, I said, we only match when we lay down, you know, we're the same right. size. It's the only time we see eye to eye, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and that's, that's, that was basically what it was. And I had to come to my, you know, senses of that. So her and I, we was like, you know, we can't do this. You know, and it ain't no, ain't no hard feelings. You know, it's just that we, sometimes, know, man. We have, yeah, we have two different opinions of where you know what a relationship is, what a marriage is. So, sometimes it's time to go. Know. Yeah, yeah. Shout out sometimes to I rhyme slow. Sometimes I rhyme quick. <laughs> and I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. And, and so I am. That is that's definitely um, some good tips. Mayno, how can people keep in touch with you? Watch your projects. Follow you check out your podcast because I'm pretty sure there are some guys and girls today that want to keep up with your journey, especially as an inspiration to how to come out, you know, go in three times, come out, stay out 21 years and also be successful and, and, and be popular and still cool. And they own yeah. right. Because a lot that's a issue for a lot of people who are in that crime lifestyle. If they're not doing crime, they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not popping. If that makes sense, you know? Yeah, well, you know, one thing I, I do to contribute to, to you know, my little popularity. One, I don't go out all the time. I don't I don't go out at night. You know, uh, the only time I go out at night is if I'm doing comedy right. or I'm supporting somebody doing something or I was doing my bouncing. Just to be sitting up there in the club drinking mm -hmm. and stuff, just watching the same people walk around me in a circle, yeah. that's dead. You I know, stay out I, the way. Yeah, I man, stay out because the way. that creates issues for you. Uh, it, you know, you don't know what woman you're talking to. You don't know how overzealous her boyfriend is, you know, so you, you dodge a lot of stuff like that if you stay out of the limelight. So that's one of the things that I do. Uh, I, I, it's only necessary when I move uh, to stay relevant. Uh, you can catch me, uh, well, to, you know, if y'all want to be uh, on, oh, on my line. Yeah, you yeah, can, follow. yeah, you can follow me at uh, Maino McCann. I'm on Facebook. I'm uh, Maino McCann on TikTok. I'm also uh, Manson, I mean, Mano McCann on Facebook. That's M-A-N-O-M-C-C-A-N-N. -N. I try to keep it all to the to the same letter. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can check me out on any one of them. My movie is uh, entitled Filios. That's P-H-I-L-I-O-S. Uh, it is streaming on uh, Tubi. Uh, yeah. it's on, I'm going to tell you everything is on. So Directed, uh, produced, yeah, yeah, edited, yeah, all that yeah. by him. Yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work. Uh, but uh, uh, shout outs to all my, my actors and actresses that uh, took my direction, you know, and right. that was able to uh, give me what I asked them for. Because if they weren't able to do that, then the filios wouldn't be what it is to me, you know, mm. and what it is to everybody else. So shout out to all my uh, uh, actors and actresses who went down there through me. But uh, you can you can catch me on Sling, African American Channel. I'm on Sunstream, Come on. Voodoo, uh, Shine TV, TCL, Exposure TV. I'm on Stash TV on YouTube. I'm just giving you some background. Yeah, music. I'm on Momento. I'm on. Popsy on Plex, I'm List. on Look Who, List them all. I'm on Tubi, I'm on Box Brazil Play, and Zumo. Come on, man. Hey, Philly Oaks. Hey, Philly Oaks. Represent, man. Yeah, you catch me all over the place.
Representing Detroit Thank you, Mayna. We appreciate um, your sacrifice and all that you've had to give um, to go through that and just so much inspiration. Kev, what you have coming up and how can they get in touch with you? Uh, April 26th, I'm going to be out in uh, Albion, Michigan uh, with the Jokes on You tour. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a bunch of funny guys. Uh, we're going to be at the Bomb Theater. It's, oh, it's, I think it's Bomb, B-O-H-M. I think that's what it's, how it's pronounced. But uh, yeah, Albion, Michigan. We'll be out there. Come out and see me. Uh, follow me on all platforms. It's Kev, I-T-S-K-E-E-V-V-V. One K, two E's, three V's. That's right. That's my dog, Kev. And of course, I'm your host, comedian, T-Barb. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. I am T-B-A-R-B. Be on the lookout for me in your city, including the Live to Laugh tour. If you want to know if my tour is coming to your city, you can go to my website, T Barb is funny.com. That's T Barb is funny.com. And while you're at it, you in the car, listen to us on all platforms. Make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on our YouTube. And also go check out my audio album, T Barb Live at the Independent. It is 52 minutes of funny. So you're on a road trip, you're in the car. Download it, listen, laugh, have a good time. Cost you nothing if you have a streaming service. We love you so much. We'll catch you every Monday, 9 a.m. on YouTube and every Thursday on all platforms, okay? Stay out the damn jails. <laughs> <For sure. laughs>